Welcome to It's a Grand Life. Did you know that in the United States alone, 2.4 million kids are being raised by their grandparents or other family members other than mom or dad? 2.4 million. It's a Grand Life is a podcast for those grandparents and kinship caregivers who are committed to making a difference for those kids. Grand families are in every neighborhood, every city, tribe, and territory nationwide. If this is you or someone you love, this podcast is for you. Our goal is to offer hope and resources to help you. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us wherever you get your audio podcasts and leave a review. Every new subscriber and review helps us reach others that need assistance. Welcome to another episode of It's a Grand Life. Again, Happy New Year. This is Craig Nash, and you're welcome, all of you, to another It's a Grand Life. And we are so excited to have you here today. We are talking about and talking with an advocate for the Grand Family Kinship Caregivers here in Michigan. And uh, Lisa Glatsky was our guest last time and talked about how she spent the last two decades advocating for the Grand Families here in Michigan. And now we're going to find out specifically what has worked in, in the state of Michigan and what has not worked and how you at home could get involved to advocate for kinship caregivers in your state. And Lisa Glatsky, welcome again to It's a Grand Life. We're just delighted to have you back. And, and um, we wanted to get your perspective on what is it like to be an advocate for kinship caregivers and Grand Families here in Michigan. Well, you know, it's it's difficult to tell maybe an elected official what your story is and how you came to be a parenting grandparent or a kinship caregiver, no doubt. But you always have to keep in the back of your mind, they're going to want to know what they can do for you. They uh, create laws, they write laws, and, and they hope to pass bills uh, that benefit the citizens of their state, right? Mm -hmm. And so you want to craft a short three minute window of what they could do for you, you know, because the backstories are very important, but a lot of times our elected officials just don't have time. Um, you know, in many states um, have uh, rallies at their state capitals, and there are some specific ones here in Michigan that a lot of kinship caregivers use as their platform. Wow. Um, there is a Michigan uh, Kinship Care Coalition, and they usually have a Kinship Care Dome Day in September. And I'm among the steering committee members of Michigan Kinship Care Coalition. And uh, we've had a, a successful three or four Kinship Care Dome Days um, where we go to Lansing, uh, we do some door knocking. We visit the galleries in the House and the Senate to be acknowledged. Um, we're, we're not as big as some of those other groups that take up the whole East Lawn of the, the state capitol in Lansing. But, um, you know, look out for uh, organizations that uh, do these types of things for kinship caregivers. The other one, like the Silver Key of uh, coalition, I believe they're called, with the Area Agencies on Aging. They do something usually in May called Older Michiganians Day. And um, back in 2020, um, Kinship Care was part of their platform. Every year, the um, 
Older Michiganians Day selects maybe four or five different platform causes, things that they're advocating for older adults. And in 2020, there was were a couple of kinship care issues. But of course, what happened in 2020? The pandemic. Right. And so the pandemic really stole our thunder, so to speak. You know, right. um, those things were discussed with kinship care. Uh, I hope they revisit those cause, you know, the things that they were discussing on those platforms because they are still very much needed and um, unresolved. Well, but- uh, Lisa Glasky, what would you say are the main causes for grand families or kinship caregivers? across our country what 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 are what have what are we looking for when we we look to the state or the federal level so uh they they really need to know that um relatives are the preferred placement of children that um you weren't expecting to take in a relative but you gladly did so because of the love you have for that child and maybe it's parents and you know you wanted to do the right thing and you obviously have maybe a safe place where that child could thrive a lot of the children come to you with adverse childhood experiences or have experienced some levels of trauma and so being with family and familiarity is very important to these children. However, um, you know, oftentimes once it's determined that you are a safe place where this child is thriving, the situation may change and the change may not be evident to the caregiver. Uh, A lot of times the children are brought, and this is just testimony from my very support group participants who time and time again say children were brought to them in the overnight hours after a certain amount of time of receiving foster care assistance and uh, counseling and child care. Uh, the next step, they were told to get guardianship. They did. And then uh, their uh, things just stopped coming to them. They're uh benefits ceased their caseworkers were not their caseworkers anymore and they didn't have any understanding of how these changes happened so quickly and so there uh, needs to be i think better communication between uh those relative caregivers and the child welfare system of what might happen when we make changes to the status that you have with those kids. Because a lot of people don't realize that there will be any changes and they're often left in destitute. And that's why a community action agency like OLSA is so important because we lift people, we educate people on how to survive in these situations of poverty because many of our participants are retired or um, looking to retire and or maybe they are on a fixed income already and it's really hard because that money was really meant for that individual right and now they are faced with using their retirement and pension to raise one two three or more children and uh, oftentimes they are just over income to be eligible to receive some state benefits. And they're not looking for benefits to help them, but to only help the children, Right. you know, help feed them a little better. And, and, but it's, it's tough for them. 
And, you know, Lisa, I talked to folks from all over the country that are in the situation that my wife and I are in. And I was talking to a, a lady from North Dakota last time, and it's a grand life. And, and she was explaining to me that her husband, talking about things changed, he was going to work till he was 70 to to offset the cost of raising their their grands. And, and you know, we kinship caregivers will do whatever it takes to make sure that our, our kids are okay and that they can have a some sort of normal life. And and you talked about, um, you know, adverse childhood experiences. Well, that those ACEs, they're, they're such they're tracking childhood trauma. That's such a big issue. I know in the state of Michigan, I'm sure across the country, that there are groups that study what are the effects of adverse trauma on young people, because they can take that data, as you know this, and they, that can track uh, what, what the incarceration percentage is going to look like down the road and things like that. So the work that is being done for by kinship caregivers is so vital to the health and well-being of our country. And you talked just mentioned a situation that was kind of a bait and switch that I think our our uh, listeners need to know about. If you have some a child in foster care, there's all sorts of benefits. Now there's some negatives to foster care, but they, there's counseling that's covered and other things. But if once you make the switch to becoming a guardian, a lot of those benefits go away and they become a fee-for-service item. But that doesn't mean that the family or the, the child doesn't still need those that counseling and those benefits. That's very sad that that happens. And we that's something I'm really hoping we could see change because a lot of folks I talk to, they're just, they don't have resources for counseling. And yet there's just such a need. In fact, uh, uh, one of our um, the grand voices I chatted with out of Colorado said, we have a behavioral health you know, um, nightmare right now. We've got, uh, uh, we, we, we're so far behind on the need for behavioral health specialists. And yet the costs of these wonderful caregivers or, or providers is very expensive for the average uh, kinship caregiving family. Wouldn't you agree? Well, yeah, it, because a lot of them are uh, returning to work if they're retired, they're trying to find better work if they're still working, or they're on a fixed income, whether it's disability or retirement, Social Security, and, and it is very tough for them to get along. This isn't the way they thought they would be spending their time and money retiring, but life does throw us curveballs, and we deal with those curveballs, right. and that is a, a very great way to advocate. You know, a lot of people don't uh, realize it is very easy to find out who your state legislatures, are, you know, le legislators are. Uh, you can email them, you can phone call them, you can fill out a form on their website. Um, and uh, most of the time they have an intern or staff person that will reply to you and uh, you can set up a meeting. You can go to your state capitol and knock on their door. You wanna make sure they're there. They also offer a lot of in-district opportunities to talk to them about your needs, your family's needs. And believe me, if you have that need, you would not only be speaking for yourself, but for a great number of other people who have the same exact needs who aren't talking right. at a coffee chat or, you know, a local library uh, with their legislator about what your particular needs are, because I assure you that there are dozens of other people and it's nice for them to know who in their districts have these challenges and how they can help. 
Um, that's absolutely a great idea. And I'm, I would like to see if you and I could get a couple of our legislators on the, the show and we could ask them those things as part of our podcast, what they're doing to support grand families. But you were involved and your wonderful colleagues and also were involved in a study called Grandparents Raising Grands. You're on the study committee. And you looked at this whole situation here in Southeast Michigan. So what did you learn from that study? I, I think the, the one thing that I learned is, the, the surprising thing is how many people are actually raising grandchildren. Uh, it, the data on how many people are raising uh, grandchildren, it, it's, uh, it's not well um, managed throughout the country, right? I think the best way we could really get some great data is through the U.S. Census, uh, but that's just not happening. You know, you identify a head of household and the members in that household, and you do, you know, have relationships, right? Um, if uh, if it's a spouse or a son or a daughter, but when you get into grandchildren. It, I think it doesn't really say grandchildren. It says adoption or right. guardianship or foster care, but it doesn't have a subcategory whether those adoptive children are actually relative to right. you. Because right. most kinship caregivers are not adopting children because they have enough love in their heart to be a mommy or daddy to another child and, and raise that child as their own. They're adopting the child to keep them in the bounds of their family and to keep them connected to, you know, their their uh, community or, um, you know, place of worship. And right. so, you know, um, and, and I think that's just some a big thing that's missing uh, from our U.S. census. Uh, we could probably do better at capturing exactly how are people related in these households. But I know the formal uh, child welfare systems, foster care, do a great job of capturing these numbers. But all of the other types of kinship caregiving, those numbers are not being captured really well. Right. Those that have guardianships, legal custodies, uh, power of attorney of children, and of course, those informal arrangements, verbals with, you know, birth parents or just children who are um, couch surfing or doubling up, as they call it, at right. a relative's house because it's not safe to go home. Um, yeah, there's they, not a formal column on that census. We, they track everything, like what color socks you're wearing, but they really don't identify the issues with within the uh, the additional members in the family. That would be that's right. a great idea to to do that. But you the the study really looked at what's going on in your service area, right? Yeah. From a, a kinship care standpoint, and what should we call this group? I liked how you guys wrestled with that. And yeah. you've identified some of the weaknesses or some of the needs for folks in the kinship care community. And I, I just hope our listeners are aware of that. I don't know if, if that type of data is available across the country, but it, sh it sure should be because it, it, it should. Yeah. Our agency or area agency on aging, the 1B region, um, which is uh, changing its names to Ageways soon, um, did in 2019 a uh, ad hoc study on grandparents raising grandchildren. And, um, you know, and that was just before the pandemic. Some of those needs have 
change and I hope that we have an opportunity to redo this study in the near future but you're absolutely right studies like this should be conducted across the country so I challenge any of those area agencies on aging across the country to uh, you know create a study like this for kinship families because it really does show how uh, intergenerational families and how uh, children are impacting older adults and the, the the amount of people that are doing kinship caregiving is just extraordinary. I service three counties in southeastern Michigan and there are over 11,000 parenting grandparents in my service area alone. 11,000. Yeah. The lucky ones have found us. We're, we're servicing a few hundred every year. And, and out of 11,000, I mean, that's it. And I know I've got friends that are involved in Wayne County if, if, and also and that includes the city of Detroit here in Michigan. And they're telling me that 25% of every student in the city of Detroit is being raised by a grandparent or a kinship caregiver. It is a huge concern. And uh, so since we're talking about advocacy here, Lisa, how um, what would you want our listeners to know about what they could do to advocate for their kinship, caregiving, or grandfamily situation? Well, validate anyone you know who is currently uh, parenting another relative's ch children. Celebrate them in the month of September. Contact your legislator. It could be at the local level, like your county. It could be your governor or your senators or House of Representatives. But let them know that you are raising grandchildren and you live in their district. And if you could answer that question, what can I do for you? Then add that to your narrative. Uh, whatever it is specific to your family, something that's important to you. Uh, maybe it was that uh, your child care was cut off when you transferred from foster care right. to guardianship. Maybe it's um, another benefit like um, having children with high ACEs or adverse childhood experiences right. and the lack of resources for an older person such as myself who are parenting again, because I guarantee you weren't necessarily de dealing with that kind of parenting challenge when you were parenting the first time. Correct. So these are just a few examples of things that you can do to advocate for yourself and who to talk to about those needs because they are unmet needs for kinship caregivers. Well, Lisa, you have just really articulated the whole situation for us here, not only in Michigan, but all across the country. We've got a situation with kinship caregiving exploding. There are 1,400 groups like also across the country. And for folks here in Michigan that want to get in touch with you and your wonderful team, how do they do that? So Olsa's Grandparents Raising Grandchildren phone number is yeah. area code 248 209 and you can always visit Olsa's website at www.olhsa.org. And in the search button, you can type in grandparents raising grandchildren and find all the information there. It sounds outstanding. Of course, we'll have that at the bottom of our screen when the, the podcast is aired. But thank you again for being our guest here on It's a Grand Life. I hope you will come back and be a regular because you're on the forefront of all the changes that are going on to benefit kinship caregivers and grand families. And we just appreciate you so much. And I just hope you know that. Thanks so much for coming and being our guest. Thank you, Craig. Thank you for joining us today for It's a Grand Life. 
It's a Grand Life provides vital content, regulatory updates, and subject matter experts that are committed to supporting the 2.4 million kids and their caregivers from every neighborhood, every city, every tribe and territory nationwide. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Every new subscriber and review helps us reach others that need assistance. As caregivers, we are united in purpose. We are driven by hope while providing strength for today and hope for tomorrow. We are truly making a difference in while living the grand life. If you have a suggestion for a future episode, please reach out to us. But we'll see you next time for another It's a Grand Life. Thank you for joining us.